Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Raw Prospect Podcast. My name is Amy Nixon. Today is September 8th. Uh, joining me from Austin, Texas, the Stat King himself, Michael. What is up, man? What's up? It's September 8th. Tomorrow is September 9th. And what does that mean? It's the kickoff of the 2021 NFL regular season. Last weekend, we had a great weekend, great first weekend of a full college football slate, including a Texas football blowout victory over a really good, what's supposed to be a really good team in Louisiana, so that was exciting, Um, and some other really good games on the slate, but now we get NFL football, and we get 18 weeks of it, not 17, 18 weeks of it, so man, are we both excited about that, and today on the podcast, before I make a couple announcements, I'm going to tell you about what we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about um, we're going to be recapping our NFC East predictions as those were cut off in our NFC preview for whatever technical difficulty reasons. So we'll recap those for y'all so you'll have those ready to go. Um, and then we're going to do our week one game picks. We're going to go through all the games, some more in-depth than others. Uh, you can probably guess which ones those are if you look at the schedule. But we'll talk about all of them a bit. And then at the end, we're going to do a little bit of a fantasy football exercise where we talk about the sleepers at each position, each main position, quarterback, uh, running back, and receiver. So that's the outline for today. Now, I, I, I want to make a couple announcements. Number one is I will be starting a mini-series about Texas football. This mini-series is going to... Um, be a series of videos. It's going to be a game preview for whatever game Texas has that week on Thursday and Friday. One of the two days. It just depends on my schedule. And then a game recap and analysis on Sunday or Monday. Most likely Monday because Sunday is NFL and I'll be watching that. So that will be starting this week with a preview that's to come out probably on Friday uh, with Texas' big matchup, getting a little taste of SEC football this week at Arkansas in Fayetteville. So that'll be, that's coming this week. Um, And then I'm also, every week from here on out, not today, but I'm going to be telling you what I've been sort of like reading or watching or listening to so maybe I can give you some other, other, I guess, resources aside from just our podcast um, to go and listen to or read so you can inform yourself about the sports and not just have us. Because we do post, we try to post at least once a week, but sometimes our schedules get busy and we don't get around to it here and there. So you might want to have some other outlets. So. I won't do that today because we need to get on with things. But starting in our next episode, I will tell you about some good resources you can use um, to gather more information about the topics that we discussed on the podcast. Right, exactly. And also, if you 
listen to this last podcast we did, episode 71. Um, we unveiled our new intro music, which um, I'm really excited about. I think it turned out really, really well. Um, was a little bit pricey, but, you know, I think in the long run, it'll make the podcast sound a lot more professional and a lot better. Um, so let us know what you think about that. Um, I'm really interested to see what y'all think, because um, I I, th- I think it turned out great, but, you know, never know. I could change it, you know, so. It's a little awkward, because I'm sure the people who have listened to that podcast are getting a pre are getting a uh, first introduction to that intro music uh, before I am because I haven't really gone back and listened to that podcast yet but I am going to do that after we record this just so I can hear the intro music yeah I mean so, we're we're busy people I mean we're, we're working with our cards college schedules and everything so anyways we're just gonna get right into this all right so Obviously, NFC East, um, I think everyone would agree, was the worst division in football last year. But there are some higher hopes this year, especially for um, the first team we're going to cover, Washington football team. Um, The defending champs of the division. And keep in mind, no team has won the division twice in a row in – about 20 years, I believe. So that would be monumental if they were to pull it off twice in a row. But this team is bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, that's basically the main thing. Uh, they they solidified their quarterback at least a little bit. They, they upgraded. They got a veteran, um, which is, with that defense, more than enough, I believe, to – be not only competitive but uh able to make the playoffs if they stay healthy um so for washington um i did go with the over and so did michael um so did you want to get into why you went with that yeah um as far as washington football team goes you hit it right in the head they acquired ryan fitzpatrick through free agency signing, I believe. Um, a guy, a veteran, uh, definition of a veteran and the definition of a journeyman as he's entering his 17th season with his ninth team, I believe. 16 seasons, eight teams. This will be his 17th season with a ninth team. So he's got experience. He's kind of streaky in terms of what he does week to week. But you, you've at least solidified that quarterback position. You have stability now. And if you know anything about Ryan Fitzpatrick, that he's a smart guy. And with being the journeyman that he is, he's not going to have a problem learning that system and building a relationship with Ron Rivera. And as we know, that quarterback, front office, uh, head coach, relationship is so important if you want to have success in the NFL. So I think he'll be good enough to get that offense where it needs to go. But Emmy mentioned it. This team starts on the defensive side of football. Why? Because not only their head coach, Ron Rivera, 
he's a defensive coach at in at his identity, at the core of his identity. But they have a defensive line that some would argue is the most talented in the NFL. I don't necessarily agree, but it's definitely in the top three, top five for sure. You have Chase Young, who's only going to get better, I believe, as long as he stays healthy. And then three other um, recent, I guess, first-round picks. and Darren Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat. So you have all those guys. You have a secondary. That's good. I got to see who's in it. I got to remind myself. Still a little rusty on the football front. But you have, I believe, a lot of those guys returning in the secondary. Um, In Washington, I think, with their free agency additions, um... Some of the guys they acquired in that secondary, William Jackson III from the Bears. Uh, who else? They got Curtis Samuel, another weapon on that offense. They diversified their offensive portfolio a little bit. They did lose Ronald Darby, but I think their additions will be just fine in that secondary. With sort of this organizational stability that they have now, I think that's going to be plenty to get them the nine wins. Right, and I think they'll easily get there. I think this team is the front runner to win the division, um, and that's coming from a Cowboys fan who I, I mean, I think like I'm, I feel like I'm pretty positive about the Cowboys normally, but I just think this team, the way they play, just bodes well for late in the season football, and I think they can finish the season strong and really make a push. Um, so with that, I think that's pretty much it on the Washington football team. Let's move on here. Um, next team, the Dallas Cowboys, my team. Um, I'll start off here. I went with the over for Dallas who were also projected at, uh, eight and a half, I believe. No, no, they projected nine. So they were projected half a game more than the Washington football team. Um, but the thing with the Cowboys is just... Is Dak Prescott healthy? Um, this team goes as Dak Prescott goes. Um, to me, he's like a uh, top 10, top 9 quarterback, depending on how you view um, like him as a quarterback versus how his team around him elevates him. Um, but to me, I think he's a top 10 quarterback. I mean, he's just – he's a guy who – is just solid all around. He's smart. He recognizes blitzes. And I think he just, um, with his leadership, he elevates the offense just just from him being out there, obviously, um, because our backups are not good. But that's a, that's a whole conversation for another day. I'm a little bit, I'm rambling a little bit here. Um, the main thing with the Cowboys is our offense is going to have to carry us. Our defense is going to be... Um, improved a little bit but that's not really saying much because our defense was historically bad last year um in terms of our franchise's history um giving up record amounts of yards and passing yards just over and over it felt like um and it just didn't even progress throughout the year it was the same um but it will be interesting to see the front seven um i'm hopeful that the front seven can kind of 
help out the secondary, especially with the addition of Micah Parsons and hopefully a returning of a healthy Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory. Um, so we'll see what happens, but um, it's going to have to be a lot on the shoulders of Dak Prescott. But I think he can do it with the receiving core we have. I think we can make it happen. Yeah, so with Dallas, I think I went with a push uh, at exactly nine wins, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Right. Um, yeah, you hit it right in the head. You obviously know this team inside out because you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, but I'll give you a little bit more in-depth recap of what happened last year and why I think they can easily get to nine wins this year. Um, first of all, Dak Prescott is the obvious storyline. Is he healthy? We're going to find out tomorrow against that vaunted Tampa Bay defense, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Right. Um, hopefully he is. If he is, we know the Cowboys' offense is explosive uh, when he's a healthy quarterback. And it was proven in the first five games last year. When although they went two and three with him healthy, that was mostly a product of, you know, the bad defense, but they did score 32.6 points in his five starts. And then in the 11 games um, he didn't play, they only scored 21.1 points per game. And they lost their first four games where he didn't play. But he somehow leveraged that injury, horrific injury, which he somehow recovered from, um, into a long-term extension that he so desperately wanted. Man, did those contract extensions drag out for a hell of a long time. Yep. Uh, $160 million contract with $126 million guaranteed, four years. Um, so scoring points we know is not the problem. Um, they have great receivers, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. Those are top five receiving courts in the league, in my opinion. The question with me with the Dallas offense is obviously the offensive line. I think they're dealing with some injuries right now. That might be a problem tomorrow against Tampa Bay, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, And then obviously Zeke. Zeke's numbers have declined each of the past three seasons, I believe, if you look at his pro football reference in those key statistical categories. Can he return to the guy he was a couple years ago? If he can, this offense could be unstoppable. But the question remains with the defense. They did use their first six draft picks on defense, and they did that for a reason. And they have a new defensive coordinator in um, Dan Quinn, who they got from the Falcons, who has a history of building elite defenses when he has the talent necessary to work with. He did it in Seattle. We remember that. Right? So hopefully, hopefully a scheme change will help, and then hopefully some of this young talent can gel together pretty quickly with Micah Parsons in the middle of that defense. And hopefully that helps. Some of this young athleticism will help the Cowboys. And they can just be, if they can just be not even average, just a little below average, just like competent, more competent in the defensive side of the ball, they're going to win a lot of games. But the last thing I want to say is I look at their schedule. Schedules are important when you're forecasting what's going to happen in an NFL season, especially a longer NFL season like this one. 
I think the Cowboys, given the weakness of relative weakness of this division, are going to get at least four wins within the division. At least, I'll give them a four and two within the division, just for this scenario. Let's say they go four and two in division. Okay. Outside of the division, the winnable games I think for them. You can beat Carolina at home. That's five. You can beat Minnesota on the road, but that's still a winnable game. I believe they could win that game. That's six. You can beat Denver at home. You can beat Atlanta at home. You can beat Las Vegas at home on Thanksgiving. Okay? That's nine wins right there. So I think it's going to be relatively easy, given some of these games that they have, that are winnable games outside the division. So... I see it going nine wins. I can't say more than that because they do have other tough games at Tampa Bay, at the L.A. Chargers. It could be a little bit of a slow start. Um, at New England's not going to be easy. You know. um, and then some of these other games. But if they can figure out that defense, it could be more than that. I actually think they're going to end up winning this division um, because of I think they'll – somehow have a head-to-head tiebreaker over the Washington football team. I just believe in Dak Prescott more than I do Ryan Fitzpatrick on a week-to-week basis. Uh, That's the bottom line. Um, And we know this is a quarterback-driven league. Um, So that's just what I think. I think the defense will be competent enough. Um, Whether it's the head-to-head matchup, Dallas gets both head-to-head matchups, and that's how it's decided, or just a divisional record or a same opponent record, something along those lines. Dallas will have a tiebreaker, and it might come down to the last week of the season like it did last year, but that's how I think it's going to play out. But I do think Washington will be in contention for a while. Right, and one thing I'll say about the defense is um, last year, um, the defensive coordinator, Mike Nolan, the players just didn't like him. I mean, you, you look at the the quotes from the leaders of that defense that they've had that um, over the course of the summer about the actual situation defensively last year. And they just, they weren't bought in. And if the leaders aren't bought in, then it's just, it's just a lost cause at that point. Um, And I think going into this year, at least they actually believe in the coach and they like the coach because that's really the start of it like if you want to have any chance you have to at least buy into the system and know the system um so um that at least gives me a little bit of hope i'm not the biggest fan of dan quinn but i think it's still an upgrade and i think they can at least be like the 22nd ranked defense rather than like the 30th ranked defense which will make a difference right right big difference right so Moving on here um, to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I'll let you start off with this one. Okay. I don't have much to say about the Eagles. Uh, um, I'll give you my quick synopsis. Uh, What was my prediction on that podcast? What did I say? Your prediction was the under, and their projected total was... I believe it was... Okay, so their projected total is 6.5. Okay. 
I think this team could win five or six games. Um, if you look at it from an outside perspective, not going super in-depth. They were a 4-11 and team last year. Carson Witt struggled. They got um, Jalen Hurtson playing time. He did show some flashes of potential, so that gives you a little hope. They did go out and draft a couple offensive weapons, including the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith. So they have diversified that offensive portfolio a little bit. Their weapons, I guess, got a little bit better. But they have a new head coach, new and unproven head coach, Nick Sirianni, who I don't really like the things I'm hearing, um, especially in that intro press conference. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, they're committed to Jalen Hurts, who in four starts last year with one and three, six touchdowns, four picks. Not terrible, not great. Uh, he can at least, you know, give you the ability to make plays with his legs, extend plays out of the pocket, make some throws. And I think he'll have some good games, but he'll also have his off days too. Um, I do have concern about, I just don't know what to think about. I still think regardless that they're the fourth best team in this division, that they do anything to improve the defensive side of the ball. Uh, let me look real fast because I just I'm a little higher on the New York Giants than other people are and I just think they're still kind of in this they're kind of been sent into a rebuild let's see so uh, they are healthy again on the offensive line apparently uh, they used four, an NFL record 14 different offensive line combinations last year um, in terms of the defense, so that might help them. In terms of the defense, I they still have Darius Slay. They have three unknowns in that secondary, Anthony Harris, Craig James, and Rodney McLeod. I don't really know who those people are. Uh, and it seems that every single year, defense's front, which is scary when healthy, they suffer injuries, and I just can't trust that. So... I think it could be a little bit of an improvement from last year, but I'm just not high on the Eagles at all. Yeah, I'm I'm not too high on them either. I went with the under, but you mentioned it. I mean, this team has some resemblance of the 2017 team. They have some remnants um, that are still there. The Fletcher Cox of the world, the um, the uh, what's his name, Brandon Graham off the edge as well. Um, he's still there. I mean, they have some guys left, but it's just all about health of that defense because I think that defensive front can actually do some things if they're healthy. Um, and then also how quickly Jalen Hurts develops because I I believe in Devontae Smith. I think he can get into the league and be a number one alpha receiver, um, but I'm higher on him than a lot of people are. Um, a lot of people are really skeptical about his size. Um, but for me personally, I think he's quick enough to kind of counteract that. Um, so if that's the case, then Jalen Hurts already has his go-to guy. He already has his safety blanket tight end in Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. Um, so I think the offense can at least be serviceable, and I think they'll be competitive. Um, if that's the case. So if healthy, I can definitely see them winning seven to eight games. If not, then 
my prediction still stands at under. Okay. So the last team in the division, I'll be quick with this, is the Giants, the New York football Giants. Um, and I'm a little bit higher on the Giants. I believe I predicted them to go over their win total and win eight games. Yep. Is that correct? Yep, it was over. Okay. So the reason why is, one, because I just really like the way that Joe Judge coaches his football team. And that's important in the NFL. Coaching is number one or number two on the list in terms of things you have to have in order to win games in this league. They have that, I believe. I like the intensity he coaches with and all of that. All of that that comes with coaching. Number two. Um, I really like this defense. We talked, we raved about the Washington defense, so I think I should get to talk about the Giants defense. Up front, you have Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. Um, Blake Martinez coming back healthy as that linebacker in the middle of your defense. Okay. He's seeking his fifth straight 100-plus tackle season. Very productive linebacker. Very underrated in my opinion. And in the secondary, you acquired Adoree Jackson, okay, the former first-round pick from the Titans. Young, athletic. James Bradbury, a Pro Bowl cornerback, looking for an encore in his second year with the Giants. Jabril Peppers and Xavier McKinney. I really like this defense, the personnel and the scheme. And number three, they were 31st in scoring last year. They really struggled out of the gates. Okay, they faced some good defenses, but they really struggled out of the gates. Last year, Pittsburgh in the first game scored 16 points. Chicago, another really good defense, but they only scored 13 points, and they had an opportunity to win that game. Uh, they only ended up losing by four. Uh, San Francisco, another good defense. They only put up nine and got whooped. The Rams, another good defense. Nine and got, not whooped, but they got beat by a decent margin. And when they finally faced a bad defense in Dallas, they put up 34. That was in the loss. So they started 0-5 last year. This year the schedule lightens up a little bit. I think they can, they're not going to put themselves in such a hole. I think they can win at home against Denver on Sunday, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, at Washington on a short week could be tough. They play the Thursday night game next week. That would be a tough one, but then they get Atlanta at home, at New Orleans. I'm not really high in New Orleans. I think that's a winnable game. At Dallas, we'll see. Probably not, but we'll see. Uh, they have a lot of winnable games on the schedule, and with the diversified offense portfolio that they have now, with Kenny Galladay, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, they added him at tight end, uh, and Saquon Barkley coming back healthy. I really like this team. Uh, I think they can get to eight wins if they go 500 within the division and win five of these other games. They have a lot of those winnable games. I think they can easily get to eight wins. Hmm. Well, I went with the under on the Giants. Um, their projected total from Vegas is seven. I think they're going to be right around the five-six range. I think they're going to be pretty much even with the Eagles, in my opinion. But to be honest, I 
I agree with you on a lot of what you said with their defense. Their defense is going to be fantastic this year, um, 100%. I just, my biggest gripe on the Giants is just their offensive line. If they can figure that out and just protect Daniel Jones and keep him from, you know, fumbling the ball like 14 times this year or whatever he tends to do, um, then. They're going to be, I mean, they're going to be fighting for the playoffs. So if that offensive line can just hold up, I mean, that's that's the one thing they're missing, I think. Um, I mean, Andrew Thomas has looked uh, suspect, to say the least, over the course of the preseason. He gave up two sacks and a pressure in two drives the other day uh, against the Patriots in the preseason. And I, I get that it's just preseason, but um, he was going against the Patriots' second strings. That's not a good sign. Um, and then if you look at the other side of the offensive line, you got Nate Solder at right tackle, who I, like since he's been with the Giants, has not panned out. Um, he was solid with the Patriots, but it, he looks old now and he looks slow. He He's not quite what he used to be. Um, but I'm not going to break down their entire offensive line. My point is just that um, if they had a, like a mobile quarterback, it'd be different, and I think they could overcome their problems with the offensive line, but Daniel Jones is just not that guy, and he has to have a clean pocket to be able to be effective and make good decisions. Um, so I just think um, the turnovers and the, and the sacks – are going to be hard to overcome for this offense. That's fair. That is the one I was going on and on about how, why I like this team, but I didn't mention the one caveat to the Giants is that the offensive line isn't going to be great. It's probably going to be below average. But I will say this. Good coaches, and this is how we're going to know if Joe Judge is for real or not, Good coaching staffs figure out ways to mask their weaknesses. Right, exactly. And play to their strengths. So this is how we're going to find out if Joe Judge is really that guy. Um, I believe that they can find ways to do that. And I think by not putting themselves in that huge hole early on like they did last year, which I don't think is going to happen, if they can just hang around 500 for the first half of their schedule, I think there's a good chance they can make a run after their bye week. Uh, but we'll see. It's going to be an interesting team to watch. I'm definitely watching their games when I get the chance. Right, exactly. Um, so that's going to be it on the NFC East. Um, yeah, hopefully that was up to par for you guys because we really wanted to – cover the gaps that that uh technical difficulty um kind of had with us so we wanted to fill in for y'all um so hopefully that will be good um and so we're just gonna get into our week one predictions now i'm super excited for this but we're just gonna get into this thursday game from for tomorrow um and it's gonna be cowboys at the bucks I guess I guess I could start it off. So the Bucks are a seven and a half point favorite 
um, at home. And really, if I'm breaking down this game, the key is just can the Cowboys protect Dak Prescott? Because um, if he's out there running for his life, um, it's going to be a challenge. And I think realistically against this defense, 24 points is probably a good day. Um, so I don't, I don't really see a scenario where the Cowboys win, but I do see a scenario where we can kind of keep it close for the first three quarters maybe. Um, but that's probably the best case scenario, in my opinion. I'm picking the Bucks to cover here. Um, I, I'm not going to choose it as my lock of the week. Um, I actually changed my lock of the week. Actually, I need to explain that. I'm going to go ahead and explain that. Okay, so um, me and Michael are going to be doing a competition. Um, so each week we're going to pick all of the games um, from the slate of that week. And we're going to keep track of the records we have. And each week we're going to be picking a lock. And that one lock game is going to be worth two. So it can be worth two wins or two losses, depending on how the result goes. So keep an eye out on for that, because um, we will both be making our locks later. Um, but anyways, back to the analysis here. Um, I think if I'm projecting how this game will go i think it's just going to be a continuation of the super bowl uh, just with dak prescott in place of mahomes and obviously dak is not patrick mahomes so it might go even worse for the cowboys than it did for the chiefs um but we, we'll see i i'm not too sure what to think right now i i, I hope that the cowboys can um just get it to their playmakers and see if they can make plays, but it's going to be tough sledding against this defense. Right. I do agree with you. Seven and a half, if you've been, you know, picking against the spread for a while, as I have been, Hmm. in another pool that I am in, um, it's a big number to lay. Um, Especially in an opener. You just don't, it's hard to predict these type of, type of games but think about this the energy in the stadium is going to be palpable tomorrow you're going to feel it from the start they're having that they're raising the banner from last year in Raymond James Stadium Um, that's like the first 20 minutes of the NBC broadcast tomorrow so you have that you have the GOAT who when he turns when he takes his first snap tomorrow in his 22nd NFL season, at the age of 44, man, with all those offensive weapons and that offensive line, boy, is that going to be fun to watch. But in terms of what I'm really watching for in this game, and I mentioned it when I was talking about the Cowboys, what do these young defensive players look like? Okay? Yeah. They haven't basically, um, they've infused first-round rookie Micah Parsons, a guy that can do a little bit of everything, um, run sideline to sideline, rush the passer, do everything you want a middle linebacker to do. They infused him. They acquired Falcon safety Keanu Neal, who would kind of be like a hybrid guy, I believe. He'll play some linebacker and maybe some safety. 
Right. Yep. Um, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we'll see like how these guys match with Leighton Vanderesh, who I hope can stay healthy, but you know, he's had injury woes that are shortened his availability the past couple seasons and past couple seasons and as we know, the best of it, the best ability is availability, so that's not ideal. Uh, and then you have other guys like Jalen Smith, who's been in and out of the shuffle. Um, but I'm just watching for the young guys that start on this Cowboys defense. Um, they need to generate pressure on Brady. We know that how you beat Brady in the past is you generate not only an edge rush, but an interior rush. Right, you make him step up into the pocket into your interior rush because he's not a guy who's really going to escape the pocket and run out and extend plays with his legs. You just got to collapse the pocket on him. So Demarcus Lawrence, whoever they have up front, those guys are going to be key. Did they acquire anybody to help rush the passer? I'm not looking at their no, they agency. they really didn't. They they were strapped up against the cap, and uh, we kind of have a ragtag crew um, rotation um, for those inside defensive tackle spots. We lost Antoine Woods, and I believe we lost um, Tyrone Crawford uh, as well. Okay, so with a young secondary, um, Trayvon Diggs, who's going into year two in a new system, um, who are these other guys? Help me out here. Um, it's just a young secondary. And when you have a young secondary, you want to be able to generate pressure so they don't have to cover as long. Um, and if they can't do that, well, Brady's just going to pick you apart with all the weapons he has. And, so yep. in terms of my, Never mind. In terms of my pick... I'm going to pick the Buccaneers, but man, it's seven and a half, a big number to lay. Uh, Okay, I'm going to say the Buccaneers win by about 10 points and they cover the spread. All right, yeah. That that really is a huge number, Um, but I don't know. I I feel comfortable with it. Just knowing that these teams just don't match up too great. Um, so, anyway, we will move on here to our second game, um, and that is the Seattle Seahawks visiting the Indianapolis Colts. Um, so, Seahawks are favored uh, minus 1.5 on the road. What do you think? Historically, Seattle's a team that starts really fast. Uh, two years ago, they started 4-0. Last year, they started 5-0. Um, the key for Seattle is really whether or not that defensive front can continue to generate the type of pressure it did at the end of last season, in my opinion. Um, they got a lot better at the end of last season on the defensive side of the football. Um they acquired Carlos Dunlap from the Bengals at the trade deadline. That really helped. I believe they announced, uh, what was it, today or yesterday, that Carson Wentz will start this game, but maybe he's not 100% healthy. So 
So if you can generate pressure and force the force him into those bad decisions we've seen him make time and time again the past couple of years, Seattle should win this game by a lot more than just two points. And I think they will. Um, the game is in the game is in Indianapolis, but I believe in veteran quarterback Russell Wilson, MVP candidate. They added some weapons to this offense, including Gerald Everett. That will help them significantly. Indianapolis isn't a full, healthy football team, even though I do think they'll end up making the playoffs. We had a little disagreement on that last episode that you can go listen to. But I do think they'll end up making the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win this game, though. Seattle's going to win by at least a field goal. Seattle minus one and a half, probably by at least a touchdown. Yep, and... This is actually going to be my lock of the week. I'm taking Seattle, um, and this line is one that I feel really comfortable with. Um, that's the reason. Um, if you look at this Colts team, I'm, as you just mentioned, I'm not as high on them as you are. And it's, and it's mostly just because they're a very weirdly constructed team. Like, if you look at where their best players are, their best player on their football team is at guard. Um, their best pass rusher is a defensive tackle. Um, so, and, their, and their best defensive player is a linebacker. So if you're looking at positional value and how they match up against other teams, I think it's just, it just sets up really weirdly for them. That's why I'm not as high on them as uh, other people. And if you look at like left tackle and corner and those positions of value on on football themes, like they those are the positions where there's some holes there. So um, I'm I'm taking the Seahawks and I just I'm not feeling too great about this Colts team. Okay, so we both agree we don't agree on the outlook, the long term outlook from the Colts, but we agree on this game. Yep. Um, so, moving on to the next team on our list, that is Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Okay, I'll start with this. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep. Here we go. One of the marquee matchups of week one, two playoff teams from last season. Um, I'm going to talk about this from a Pittsburgh perspective and then give you my pick. That's all I'm going to do, okay? I'm a Steelers fan, and I'm going to give you what I think is going to happen. If the Steelers want to win this game, and you heard me say this a bunch of times last year, but I'm going to say it again, they have to run the football, and they have to commit to running the football. Last year, not only was the run game terrible when they did run it, but they didn't commit for running it. Okay, Once the run game wasn't working, early on, they would abandon it and just let Ben throw the football down the field those checkdowns and then occasionally eat it downfield. And that's why they were so one-dimensional last year. Against a front, a veteran, experienced front like Buffalo. And they do have, it's not necessarily the most talented or flashiest defensive front, but it gets the job done. Jerry Hughes, Ed Oliver, Star Lutalele, who they brought in via free agency, very good nose tackle. Mario Addison, another guy they got from Carolina. Okay, that's a good defensive front. It will get the job done. Okay, you have an athletic edge rusher, Ed Oliver, and a guy like Jerry Hughes, who is going up against the rookie left tackle in Dan Moore, fourth-round pick out of A&M, who 
flash really good things in the preseason, but that's the preseason. Okay? This is a road game in Buffalo. First start of his career. Okay? If you can't establish the run, well, guess what? You're going to be off schedule, and that's going to put you into third and long situations. And with two rookies starting on this offensive line, plus another second-year guy who didn't look good in the preseason and Chuk so core for at right tackle, man, is it going to be a long day for Ben Roethlisberger. Oof. You have to stay on the schedule, and how do you do that? You put yourself in a third and manageable. And if the Steelers get in third and long, they have no chance at all. Um, second thing, you have and I know I'm talking a lot about, um, well, that was from an offensive perspective. From a defensive perspective, I trust the front seven. We're missing a step onto it this week. That's not a huge deal. He's great when he's on the field. But from a defensive perspective, I trust the front seven to generate pressure. I trust our linebackers. Devin Bush is back healthy. Joe Schobert, who we acquired in a trade. The Jaguars is a very good, productive linebacker who's really good at coverage. He masked some of Devin Bush's weaknesses there. So I really like our front seven still, even without Stephon it. And T.J. Watt, that's a whole other story. He's still looking for a contract extension. I think it's absurd they haven't gotten it done yet. But guess what? They still have him under team control for this year, and then they can franchise tag him next year and the year after that if they want to. So they have time to get that done. But So that's kind of hanging over their head, but he's going to play. I trust the front seven, and they did a good job of generating pressure on Josh Allen in that matchup late last year okay so i don't have any concerns about that but what i do have concerns about are the buffalo weapons uh and especially stefan Diggs, because on the last year's matchup pittsburgh did not do a very good job of stopping stefan Diggs. they're Tallman, the defensive coaching staff keith butler they have to find a way sort of pretend you're bill belichick and find a way to eliminate Stefan Diggs as much as you can from this game. Because in that last year's matchup, he basically won the game by himself. Him and Steph, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs won the game by themselves. Ten receptions, 130 yards, two touchdowns. Okay, that won the game uh, by themselves. So you have to double team, triple team, I don't care, do something. Don't let them have that type of game again. If you can do that, well, guess what? You have a veteran quarterback, you have a ton of weapons, um, and you have a really good defense. You might give yourself a chance to win this game. But if you don't do those two things, it's going to be a blowout. So those are the keys from a Pittsburgh perspective. Now, what do I think is going to happen? I think... Buffalo wins by six. Pittsburgh covers the spread. Okay. Um, I'm with you there. I think Pittsburgh is going to cover as well. Um, I went back and forth with this, um, but six and a half is a huge number, like you just said. It's not as big as seven and a half, but... Um, winning by a full touchdown against a quality opponent, um, that's always tough. Um, but here's the thing. Um, 
I'm confident in this Steelers defense. I think they match up well with Buffalo. And as you said, the big key is stopping Stephon Diggs. But if they can do that, um, I think I don't think they'll stop the Bills by per se, but I think they'll at least contain them a little bit. Um, because I like you said, the front seven is good enough to where and good enough and disciplined enough to keep Josh Allen in the pocket. And that's the biggest thing. Keeping him in the pocket and constricting the pocket enough to where he, he's a little he's under uncomfortable. because um, uh, as we know, if Josh Allen gets out of the pocket, he can sling it anywhere he wants. Um, and that's when he's at his best, in my opinion. Um, obviously, he's good from inside of the pocket. But if you can get to him and constrict him a little bit, it's going to make things a lot tougher for him. And, and knowing what the Bills like to do, they like to sling the ball around. They don't like running it too much. Um, Brent uh, Brian Gable is a guy who... If the opportunity presents itself, he's just going to throw it every time. He's comfortable with doing that, and he trusts his quarterback. Um, But against the Steelers, that's not going to work. So that's why I think the Steelers can keep this close. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game than people think. That's all I'll say. There is a stat that I want to find. Because I mentioned how, and I agree with you, but there is a stat that I want to find that I'm going to look for while we talk about these other games um, that really shows the importance of a run game uh, to Ben Roethlisberger's success. Okay, but I'll find it, and once I get it, I'll throw it out there, and we can continue talking about these other games. So, yeah, all right. Yeah, let's Um, do it. Um, next game is Arizona at Tennessee. One of the most interesting games of the weekend. And honestly, one of the toughest to pick. Um, I'll, I'll start here. Um, Tennessee is really hard to gauge right now. Um, I picked them to win their division. Um, I like what they did in the offseason. They kind of reloaded on defense a little bit. They um, made some changes to that secondary. Um, got Bud Dupree, who uh, won't be healthy to start the year, I don't think, um, he, since he tore his ACL. But um, nonetheless, I like the moves they made defensively. And then obviously offensively, they added Julio Jones, which – um, no matter how you slice it, that's a win. Um, he's still an elite receiver, um, and I think they'll utilize him well, um, especially going against this Cardinals team, who their biggest weakness defensively is at the cornerback position. So, okay, so looking at the way these teams match up, it's it's a it's a toss up because I really like this Cardinals defensive front. I like the way they uh, restocked that uh, over the off season. They added JJ Watt. Obviously, they still have uh, Chandler Jones, but yeah, I my gut is telling me to go with the Titans, but 
I'm I'm not too confident. I I say I'll say they win by three. Interesting game. Two teams that are kind of hard to gauge going into the season. Um, from an Arizona perspective, the obvious analysis here is they have to limit Derrick Henry. You're not going to stop Derrick Henry, but you have to limit him. In eight games last season at home, he averaged over a little bit over. 100 yards rushing per game uh, at home. So he really thrives off this crowd, off the energy, and he gets stronger as the game goes on. So I'm really looking for, and I know the Cardinals made additions to the front, which should help adding a guy like J.J. Watt. Obviously, isn't going to hurt your defense. Um, they still have guys like Chandler Jones and uh, who else do they have on this front? Uh Lekai, O2 in the middle, uh, Jordan Phillips, and the linebackers will obviously have to play their part in stopping the run as well. Uh, Jordan Hicks and uh, Isaiah Simmons going into his second season. As well as Zayvon uh, Collins. Zayvon Collins as well. So, yeah, I mean, it all plays into this fact that they've definitely beefed up their front seven, but now you have to show it, and you have to show conditioning as well. Is this team conditioned enough? Not only to stop Derrick Henry for three quarters, right? You might be able to do that, but come the fourth quarter, what's going to happen? Because it seems Derrick Henry just gets stronger the more and more he gets rush attempts uh, when we've seen him play games in years past. We're talking about a guy who's led the NFL in rushing for two straight years, becoming the eighth guy in NFL history to rush for 2,000 yards in a single season last season. So, and the Cardinals' rush defense was below average last season. 22nd in rush defense, allowing 125 rushing yards per game. If you do that, you don't have much of a chance in this game. But, what I do like from an Arizona perspective is uh, their group of Experienced, talented, deep wide receiver group against this young, inexperienced secondary of the Tennessee Titans. They're relying on guys like Christian Fulton, who I believe is a second or third year guy, Amani Hooker, Breon Borders. Um, I don't, do you know if the rookie is going to play in this game? Caleb Farley, I don't even know. I think he um, is. He played during the preseason, but yeah. I'm not sure if he revigorated that back. Well, I'm not too sure. Regardless, it's a young secondary. Right. They got more talented, but it's still a young secondary. It might take time to gel. And if you're the Cardinals, well, you got to take advantage of that. You added A.J. Green, who might not be a number one receiver anymore, and he's had his fair share of health issues in the past. But as your number three or number four receiver, man, that that could work, right? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, what's his name? Christian Kirk. You drafted Rondale Moore out of Purdue. You you have uh, the small slot guy. What's his name? Um, uh, Andy Isabella. Uh, Andy Isabella. So you go four or five deep at the receiver position. 
and they're all very capable. So you got to exploit these matchups. Cliff Kingsbury has to find a way to exploit these matchups against the young secondary. And if he does, which I think he can do, uh, to go along with this run game, which should be boosted by the fact that they have depth at the running back position of Chase Edmonds and James Conner now, I think Arizona could win this game. Um, so I'm going to actually pick Arizona to cover the spread. I think they're going to win this game. I think Tennessee starts a little slow. Um, so there you go. All right. Yeah. I, yeah, it, it's tough because that's the kind of thing that Cliff Kingsbury was brought in to do, to take advantage yes. of the matchups and, and break down defenses. But that's just not really what he's shown uh, up to this point. But I will say this. This is a big game for the Cardinals. Getting off to a good start this season, obviously we we know that they're going to have six tough games in their division this year. So getting off to a good start and beating a quality opponent on the road, that can be a huge confidence booster going into uh, the season. So big game for the Cardinals. We haven't really had this conversation in our season preview, but Cliff Kingsbury, if things go south quickly, he's going to be one of those guys whose seat heats up really fast. Right. And he's got to really prove it now. It's been, what, two years now? Right. How many years has he been the coach? Yep, two so years, and I... He's got to... Yep. Yeah, this third year is the year where you gotta you got to show it. you got to win now. Um, and this could be a big boost if you beat a playoff team from last year um, in week one on the road. That would be impressive. That would be a good way to start off. But nevertheless, let's move on. we got to run through like the middle of these games pretty quickly so we can get to the, some of the better games in the late, the later window. Right, right. Going a little longer than expected. Um, so Chargers and football team, what do you think? Um... I picked I picked the football team, um, but I'm, again I'm not too confident on that. Um, and I I picked them to win by two or three points. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a tie game. Okay, I am going to go with the Chargers. Brandon Staley's head coaching debut. I know it's an inexperienced head coach against experienced head coach. It's a really good defense. It's in Washington. All everything you look at really, um, I guess, fav- sort of favors um, the Washington football team. But I think with this Chargers team, who I'm pretty high on, um, with all their defensive stars, including Derwin James coming back healthy, and with a more talented quarterback in this game, with an improved offensive line, I think they're going to do enough to win. Um, so, mm. and if I if I want to win the competition, I got to go contrary to some of your picks. That's how Shoot. Yeah, these I, things are going to be decided. So. Yeah, I'm, now that you say all those things, I kind of want to change my pick. <laughs> I, hey, yeah, I, that's one thing I should mention. You are allowed to change your pick. 
in the spreadsheet as long as it's prior to the kickoff of that game. Or right. At least that's how I have it in the uh, in the in the rules. So as long as it's before the game, you can change your pick. Right. And then on next week's episode, we can recap how we did. Right, and that that's this is one game that I'll revisit, but. Uh, for the sake of the podcast, let's move on. Uh, next game is Vikings at Bengals. What do you think? Vikings at Bengals. I don't oh. know. Sorry about that. Excuse the interruption. I don't know um, how healthy Joe Burrow is. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, this... Defense still has questions. I really like this Minnesota team with their offensive weapons. Dalvin Cook is obviously their workhorse. I think they're going to be able to run the football. I think Minnesota is going to win this game. What's the spread in Cincinnati? I will. I'll go with Minnesota to win by about four or five. Cincinnati might keep it close if Joe Burrow comes out firing. And I do like the weapons that Cincinnati has on that offense. But I think Minnesota is more experienced. I have questions about, still have questions about Cincinnati's O-line. I still have questions about their defense. So Minnesota, minus three and a half, my pick. Um, I'm going to pick the Vikings, but I'm going to pick the Bengals to cover, actually. I think this is one of those games where I think the Bengals might come out hot and maybe catch the Vikings off guard. But I think at the end of the day, I think they're the Vikings are the better team, and I think they're going to recover. But as for the actual flow of the game, I think the Bengals will come out firing a little bit and then kind of wear down as the game goes along, as, as the Vikings defense kind of settles in and everything. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's my pick. Okay. Jets and Panthers. What do you think? They're high on Zach Wilson. What do you think? Um, this is so tough. I Just make mm. a pick. We don't have time. To yeah, yeah. I'm going to pick... <laughs> I'm going to pick the Jets to cover. You can change it. Go yeah, yeah okay. I'm going to pick the Jets to cover uh, the four and a half point spread. I agree with you. Let's move on. Yep. I saw really good things from Zach Wilson in the preseason, so I'm going to agree with you there. And I still have my questions about the Jets have a lot of weapons. It's just this offensive line, and then obviously the unproven Zach Wilson. Um, And then obviously, but Carolina's defense, they still have a lot of young players. And although I think they'll improve from last year, it might take them some time to get up to speed. So while they might win this game, uh, what is the line? Four and a half. That's a pretty big line uh, with a new quarterback and a new system. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. The Jets, I think, probably lose the game, but they will cover the spread. Right. Well, let's move on. Eagles, Falcons. Falcons are going to cover, I think. Uh, Falcons are going to put up a lot of points this year, and I just don't think Eagles will match Punch for punch. I agree with that. 
All right, and then... Yeah, top, top. Yeah, I agree with that. Keep going. Yep. Jaguars at Texans. Um, I think Jaguars cover. I think they win by three. What is the spread? Two and a half. <laughs> Two and a half. Yeah. Against, you know, a team that some people think could go winless yeah. um, this season. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I think Florence played well in his debut. Well yeah. enough, at least. Yep. Uh, then Niners at the Detroit Lions. Um, I'm gonna pick uh, seven and a half. That's Ooh, that's a so big, big so big. But I'm gonna pick the Niners to cover. Might might end up biting me in the butt some of these, but I so tough, man. Okay, on the special. <laughs> I know I'm in, interrupting, but on the spreadsheet, I'm typing in my takes as we go. I put Trevor Lawrence minus two and a half Jaguars minus two and a half. Yeah, I just think Trevor Lawrence is going to win the game by himself. <laughs> yep. Um, he, he might, honestly. Yeah. Um, we'll see. But yeah, uh, seven and a half is a big line, but I don't trust Detroit one bit. Um, not one bit until I see it. So, uh, yeah, I think I'll agree. I'll go San Francisco and buy a pretty decent margin, cover the spread. Right. Um, and then marquee matchup. Okay. Cleveland about this at Kansas City. Here we go. Um, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll start off here. Um, Kansas City, obviously – Coming off that Super Bowl loss, um, strapped up against the cap, what do you do? They changed every single offensive lineman, uh, drafted Creed Humphrey, Kyle Long comes out of retirement, um, they pick up Orlando Brown from the Ravens, um, just complete overhaul of the offensive line. I think it's going to pay off, too. I think I think it's overall an upgrade. Um, but, wow, just really interesting stuff there. Um, and then, obviously, they're bringing basically everybody else back. Um, they had an interesting, interesting uh, cut during the preseason. Not, not too notable, but... By Lel Powell, I thought he was going to be a, a possession re- receiver for them. They they picked him in the fifth round, but they ended up cutting him. Um, but, yeah, I think this team is kind of missing that possession receiver, if I'm really going to be nitpicky of that offense. Um, but Travis Kelsey obviously plays that role just fine, so they'll be okay, obviously. They're going to be the best offense in the league, if not – top three um and then the browns their roster is just stacked i mean just going out and filling in the holes if you talk about fixing weaknesses i mean i don't think there's one weakness the browns didn't address during the offseason i mean signing uh the guys they did in the secondary and then picking up Jeremiah Wusu Karamoa uh, in the second round. Just 
really good stuff. Um, let me get to the pick here. Um, week one in Arrowhead, I just think it's a lot to ask. Um, the Browns in week one. I think as the year goes along, I think the Browns would be capable of being the Chiefs 100%. But week one, that's that's a lot to ask. Like I said, um, I think it'll be competitive. I think the line is um, a lot bigger than it should be, in my opinion. I think this is going to be a competitive game. Um, and I think the Browns will cover, but I think the Chiefs will win. Miles Garrett yet um, since he's been there, so that will help. 
uh, not front with Malik Jackson. They add maybe this what could be the steal of the draft in the middle of that defense with Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa, a versatile inside linebacker out of Notre Dame, who's a smart player who can cover the tight ends. Um, that you know, versatile, good in pass covers, can cover a guy like Travis Kelsey. I know he's a rookie in experience, but he has the ability eventually to be able to do something like that. Uh, and then the improved secondary of Cleveland. I think it's really where this game is decided against all those weapons. They went out and got Troy Hill from the Rams or wherever he came from and the other guy from the Rams as well. The safety, I'm forgetting his name, but you get the point. Yep. Um, and from a Cleveland offense perspective, they're obviously going to be able to run the ball. They have arguably the top offensive line in the league. Um, and Baker showed last year that as long as he takes the next step, and they have Odell coming back. Uh, Cleveland is going to compete in this football game, whether you believe it or not. And Kevin Stefanski, from what we've seen, is a real coach. So Kansas City might win the game. They might get one more spat, splash play in Cleveland. I could definitely see that happening just because Tyree Hill is Tyree Hill. And, you know, Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. They have Clyde Edwards later back healthy. They're going to be able to run the ball to an extent. Uh, and take time off the clock. Their defense is good situationally. I think it will continue to be. Um, so, yeah, Kansas City will probably win. But this game will be close, I think, throughout. Uh, six and a half is a big number. So, yes, Cleveland will cover. Yep. But uh, they won't win the game. Yep. Um, yeah, we, we both agree there. Um, and then next game. This is an interesting one. Uh Broncos at New York Giants. Um, I'm taking the Broncos here. Um, I think this is a big game for both teams um, in the same way that it was for the Cardinals, kind of. Actually, not really. Not really in the same way. But these are two teams that kind of underwhelmed last year record-wise. Both five-win teams um, who just want to be more competitive this year and get off to a good start and the first game is so important because this is a winnable game for both teams that's 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 why the line is so close um but at the end of the day i just think the broncos defense is going to impose their will on daniel jones and this offensive front um I think Kenny Galladay is going to make his impact. He's going to make a few splash plays in his debut with the Giants. And I think, and I like the Giants receiving core as a whole. I like Darius Slayton. I like um, Sterling Shepard and all those guys. But I just think the Broncos have the personnel to limit that. And then you look on the other side, I just think Teddy Bridgewater can at least do enough to – uh, limit the mistakes and just put enough points on the board to win the game. I think the game is won in the turnover battle um, because these are two good defense that are good at forcing turnovers. So I think that's where the game will be won. Yeah. Denver is another team. Uh, the past couple of years, 
they've gotten off to very slow starts. Yep. Last year they started uh, they started on three and they beat the Jets. But nevertheless, they've started very slow the past couple of years. But they do have Teddy Bridgewater quarterback. They have a ton of weapons. Now Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. And all the guys, um, Noah Fan at tight end. Getting Cortland Sutton back. Cortland Sutton back healthy. Uh, Melvin Gordon at running back as long as he stays healthy. That's that's great. And they have Teddy Bridgewater starting. He's won a lot of games. Um, and actually, this says that when he played, he ranked fifth in the NFL in completion percentage, sixty nine percent in twenty twenty. I don't know if that's true, but that's what this says right here. So, uh, yeah, I think I said the Giants have a lot of winnable games early, and they do. This is a winnable game. But when I said that, I actually really wasn't thinking about who they actually played week one. And I think this is just a mismatch. Uh, offensive line against defense in front of Denver. You're talking about Bradley Chubb, Vaughn uh, Miller, um, why are you saying it like that? Vaughn <laughs> <laughs> <Come on>, Miller. <laughs> what the hell? Their secondary, their secondary is close. I mean, if they gel, it's close to returning to being like the no-fly zone of years past where Denver's been in the Super Bowl. Yep. Um, so I just think this is going to be a tough circumstance to overcome uh, for the Giants week one. I do think it'll be close, though. Um, and you will see flashes from the Giants offensively. Um, so I agree with you, Denver will win by probably, I'll say, around the field goal. But they'll cover the spread. Yeah. And I just think that Denver defense is going to be elite. So what would you say? In situations like this, I'm just telling our audience, in situations like this, where the line is small and it's minus one and a half, really the only way the underdog can, um, unless they only lose by one, uh, really the only way the underdog can win the bet is if that underdog team actually like ends up winning the game, and that's kind of a risk to take, especially with the unknowns of this Giants offense right now. So, uh, yeah, I'm just telling that to our... Uh, consumers so that if they're making a bet, that's something to keep in mind. Right. Or you can bet on the tie. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> but, yep. <laughs> we shall continue. Okay. So, next game. Interesting one. Uh, Packers at New Orleans. Um, wow. Um, obviously, new look New Orleans Saints offense with Jameis in there. Um, and a little bit of a ragtag receiver core. We'll see what that looks like. But here's the thing. I I'm overall I'm high on the Packers. I'm I'm higher on the Packers than I think a lot of people are. I I've seen I've seen people predict the Packers anywhere from ten wins to twelve wins. But I think I think the Packers are legitimately the only team other than the Rams that can that can beat the Bucks in a playoff game. That that's and that's just simply because of the quarterback position. But that's another conversation for another day. Um 
I, I think the Packers are winning this game. I think their defense has improved. Um, and also, one thing we didn't talk about in the season preview is their receiving core. They picked up Randall Cobb and they picked up um, Amari Rodgers. And that's one of the things they were, they've been missing these last few years is a, a quick slot receiver to win 1v1 um, in the quick game. Um, a lot of times they had Alan Lazard in the slot, and he's just he's just too stiff to win one v one against those quick slot corners. So that's going to be a huge boost to this offense. And then defensively, um, I mean, you have Rashawn Gary growing into. I think he'll be a not elite, but really good defensive end moving forward. Um, and then you have the two uh, Smith twins as well. So I, I feel really good about this Packers team. I think they're going to win pretty convincingly here, even though they're on the road. I agree. I Well, they're not on the road, actually. Oh, they're not. Oh, they're not. Oh, my bad. <laughs> it, is, it is a neutral site game. Mm. And the reason for that is because of Hurricane Ida. Oh. I don't know how it's pronounced. Yeah. Um, yeah, New Orleans is going to be displaced from Mercedes-Benz for at least the foreseeable future. My thoughts and prayers go out to the people recovering from that uh, Category 4 hurricane that touched down last week or the week before, sometime in the recent past. Millions or thousands of people lost, hundreds of thousands of people lost power. And there's devastating damage, so my thoughts and prayers go out to the people of Louisiana and everyone who's recovering from the remnants of that horrific storm. Right, and and mine as well. Mine as well. I I kind of had a brain fart there. That actually, well, it's okay. That made landfall on the um, 16th exact anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. Wow, that's Um, insane. So, pretty devastating stuff for the people of Louisiana. But that's why this game is going to be played in Jacksonville instead of New Orleans. It was originally slated to be played in New Orleans, but now they're playing in Jacksonville because Jacksonville's playing in Houston, and it's an open stadium. It'll be warm weather. It'll be good weather. That's just what it is. Um, so, But regardless, Green Bay's the better team. They have more weapons. They have a better quarterback. And to be honest with you, if Michael Thomas was healthy, which he is not, and he's not going to be for at least the first five, six weeks of the season, I might feel a little better about New Orleans. But I'm a little lower on New Orleans than some people are. They deplete this roster because they were just so high up in cap hell uh, that they just had to go ahead and cut some people. I mean, it is Sean Payton. Hopefully we see improvements from James Winston. I'm obviously watching for that. And they do have the workhorse running back in Alvin Kamara who can do a bunch of things. Uh, but I really like the Packers' pass rush. Um, they improved their receiving core. And Aaron Rodgers, I think, is just going to come out with a fire lit under his ass like he did last year. <laughs> it's just what he does. Yeah. Uh, he finds every reason to get motivated. Um, so the Packers are going to win this game pretty convincingly. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on here, another interesting game here: um, Dolphins at Patriots. 
Um, I'll, I'll get us started here. I'm going to pick the Patriots to not only cover but to win this game. I think that's a. I know it's a it's a bit of a bold pick given that the line is uh, uh, two and a half. But okay, here's here's my analysis. Um, I just think that it's going to be a defensive battle, obviously, um, and it's going to be a really close game. I, that's what I think. But honestly, I just think it's going to come down to, I think the Patriots can force a few more mistakes from Tua than the Dolphins can for Mac Jones. And that feels weird saying that, given that Mac Jones is in his debut as a starter. But I think the Patriots are protecting Mac Jones better. They have a better offensive line. Um, and I think the identity offensively of the Patriots loans itself to taking care of the football better with how they run the football and how they're going to be making Mac Jones's reads easier with their play action game. Um, and I just don't think the Dolphins have that element to their offense to make things easier on Tua. Um, so that's the reason I'm going with the Patriots here. I think I agree with you. I did pick in the long run Miami to finish just ahead of the Patriots in this division, but I do think both teams will end up competing for the wild card just since the AFC is so deep. Um, Matt Jones, even though he's a rookie, he's a guy who we've seen and we know isn't going to make a whole lot of mistakes. Um, I do like the moves that the Patriots made in the offseason to diversify their offensive weaponry, bringing in two really good tight ends. Johnny Smith, who's obviously going to be the number one, and then Hunter Henry, when healthy, is obviously another weapon they can use. And they know, Josh McDaniels knows how to use tight ends. I mean, let's be real about that. The, the stable of running backs that they have, uh, I think Miami's defense could be a little overwhelmed uh, in this week one matchup. Um, I think we're going to see Mac Jones make some throws. I think we're going to be impressed. Um, and the veteranness of Bill Belichick. Right. He's out to prove something this year. Last year was uh, sort of an anomaly, we hope. Or at least the Patriots do. Um, and they're out to prove something. They just cut Cam Newton, so this has to work. Um, so, yeah, I do think the Patriots will win this game in Gillette. But I do believe that the Dolphins will get them back uh, later on the season. But that's for another. That's for down the road. Right. All right. So, a lot of agreement here. That's the, that's the interesting thing about us. I feel like we always <laughs> uh, are on the same wavelength with our picks here. But um, there there are some differences. So we'll see how the record play out. Records play out. So, next game. Last couple games here. Um, Bears at Rams Sunday Night Football Um, I don't know why they chose this for Sunday Night Football I mean I kind of do I guess they want to showcase SoFi Stadium but I I just I don't know anyway um, the Bears are going to have a really tough time um, scoring against this defense I mean I know the Rams lost a few guys um on their defensive line, they lost Ebukam, and then they lost uh, 
whoever their other defensive tackle next to uh, Donald was. I forgot his name. And then they lost uh, two guys who went to the Browns, Troy Hill and then um, the safety that we can't think of his name. John Johnson. John Johnson. That's right. That's right. He's a really good safety. Um, so they lost two guys there, and they, they're they counting on uh, young players to fill in those gaps there. Um, but do I think their defense is going to take that much of a step back? No, I don't. I think, um, I mean, you still have the building blocks defensively with two, I believe, future Hall of Famers in Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. And I don't think any other defense in the league can say that. So with just those two guys, I feel confident that this defense can be at least top 10. Um, so, um, with the outlook that I, I feel like they're going to have offensively, just with Matthew Stafford being able to get the ball downfield, that downfield element that they didn't have last year and the last few years really with Jared Goff is just going to bring this team to a new level. Um, so I'm picking the Rams. Uh, I think they're going to win pretty convincingly. I think they're going to win by 10 to 14 points. Um, but we'll see what happens. I I think uh, I think it could be a Deshaun Watson type of situation where you throw Justin Fields in there in halftime because it's it's garbage time. So we'll see. Mm. A lot of big numbers here in Week One. We have yeah. two six and a half spreads. And two seven-and-a-half-point spreads. Yep. This one, the Rams are going to win the game. But I think Chicago's defense is good enough. As long as Andy Dalton doesn't turn make any mistakes, which is sort of a big ask, but who knows? You never know. First week of the season. Um, I'm going to go contrary just to go contrary. Because for some reason, I have a weird feeling that this Bears defense and the betterness of Andy Dalton and maybe a surprise appearance from Justin Fields uh, can keep this game close. That's the only reason I'm okay. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Um, I mean, the Bears are a competitive team for a reason. So we'll see what happens. Um, okay. Uh, last game of the week here, uh, Monday Night Football, Ravens at Raiders in the new, uh, I don't even know what they call their stadium, CenturyLink or something? No, no, that's Seattle. But the new Las Vegas Stadium, <laughs> um, I don't know what it's called, but uh, unveiling the new Las Vegas Stadium with fans. Um Ah man, the the line is interesting. It's the line is four and a half, and um, that feels small to me. Um, I I guess Vegas is higher on the Raiders at home than I am, but I think uh, the Ravens, um, given the fact that they added not only Rashad Bateman but Tylen Wallace and Sammy Watkins. Um, I know Rashad Bateman is hurt, but he wasn't the only wide receiver they drafted. Um, it, people are acting like just because Bateman's hurt that they're 
their passing game is going to go to nothing. Like, I think their passing game is going to be just fine. Um, and especially against a defense like the Raiders. Like, that's going to be a tune-up game, uh, if I'm being completely honest. I'm not high on the Raiders. Um, they they made some good moves in the draft defensively. They they added Trevon Merrick, um, and they drafted three safeties in a row, actually. Merrick, um, and then Divine Diablo, I believe, and then one other guy. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how those moves pan out. But overall, I just think uh, with Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley coming back and the re-fortification of that Ravens offensive line, um, the, the pass rush for the Raiders is not going to get there. Uh, I'm not too confident in that. Even though they picked up Yannick Ngakwe, I still don't think they will. Um, and I think Lamar Jackson is going to have his way and win this game pretty convincingly, maybe by a touchdown. or I, I, I'm pretty confident in like 10 points. 10 points is fair. This is my lock of the week. All right. I don't feel, I don't feel good about this. I feel great about this. Okay, yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and I don't like the Baltimore Ravens. But... This matchup screams Baltimore wins by a lot. That's what this screams to me. The reason why is because, number one, if you look at it from an offensive perspective for Baltimore, we know they're going to run the football. And they lost J.K. Dobbins to a torn ACL. And they lost Justice Hill to a torn Achilles just recently this past week. But they have Gus Edwards, who is completely capable. And I know this because I've seen him run all over my Steelers defense time and time again. Um, And they just picked up, I hate this, but they picked up Le'Veon Bell and they added him to the practice squad. And I don't know if he's going to play this week, but guess what? They don't need him because that's how bad this Raiders defense, especially against the run, is. And until proven otherwise, and I know you mentioned they made some moves, they had a decent draft um, to try and beef up this defensive front. And John Gruden is John Gruden. He's going to have his Gruden grinders. <laughs> but guess what? This is John Harbaugh. This is a revamped Ravens offensive line. They lost a Pro Bowl caliber player in Orlando Brown. But they have Ronnie Stanley coming back healthy. And they got Alejandro Villanueva, an experienced Pro Bowl tackle from the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, to fill in that other tackle spot. So the offensive line is going to be completely far. And they're just going to run straight downhill. And we know that, okay, if Lamar Jackson gets behind early, it could be a little bit of trouble. That's just what history says. But if he gets ahead and they're just able to run downhill against the Raiders' defense, that was absolutely terrible in basically every defensive category last year. 25th in total defense, allowing almost 400 yards per game. 26th in pass defense, 
allowing 262 yards per game. Uh, 23rd in rushing defense, allowing 126 rushing yards per game. 30th in points allowed, allowing 30 points per game. 23rd in interceptions with only 10. 21 sacks, that ranked 29th. And minus 11 in turnover differential, that ranked 30. So, while they might get better as the season goes on due to some of the additions that they made, whether it's through the draft or free agency, I don't know who they brought in. I'm not going to look it up. But this game is going to take time. You don't just become a good defense overnight, especially against a team like this, who is just going to keep running and running and running. And Baltimore, with this secondary of Las Vegas, I want to say Oakland, but it's Las Vegas, uh, they're going to hit their shots downfield due to the addition that they made in Sammy Watkins. Ooh, he has his fair share of injury problems, but guess what? He hasn't been hit yet. It's week one. He's healthy as of now. So, uh, yeah. I don't feel good about this. I feel extremely great about this. Uh, that this is going to give me two, two points uh, in the... Uh, win column for week one. The Ravens win in a pretty convincing fashion. I think it would be a three-possession game, like 17 points or something. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. I think you're right. Um, but I think that will be a, a key to this also. I don't think we should have the same lock each week. But, yeah, I think that game, that's the one you look at, you go, boom, easy. Um, but anyway – um, we we ran a little bit over on time here, so I'm gonna leave it up to you on whether you want to do the uh, fantasy football stuff to close here. Um, but another option can be we can post the our uh, sleepers on Patreon. What do you think? I think we should. I think this is a good stopping point for today's episode. I think so, too. And it's, it's reasonable. I think we should account for that next time just because we're so excited to get back into football this week. One, there's so many great games, and we want to give you guys our entire perspective on these games, which we basically did for every single game, which we weren't really planning to do, but we did anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a good thing. I'll get to now have this uh, as sort of a complete preview going into the first week of the season where things are just sort of unpredictable. So yes, I think we should do our fantasy stuff on Patreon and include this episode right here because it is after midnight and although I don't have class until later tomorrow, uh, we don't want to go any longer. Right, yeah. It's run a little bit late here. But anyways, y'all, as always... Thank you for watching, listening. Um, if you're watching the video version on YouTube, um, welcome back. We haven't um, we haven't had the video version in a while. Um, we're well aware, um, but uh, leave a like, uh, subscribe if you're new, follow us on uh, social media. We got Twitter, we got uh, Instagram page that I'm gonna try to post on more often. No promises though, um, but. Yeah, y'all. It's been fun. Uh, happy football season. Oh, yep. Before we sign off, a couple of things. 
couple things. Be on the lookout if you're into Texas football. I'm sure we have a lot of viewers who are from Austin and like Texas football, or at least have some interest. Be on the lookout for my first uh, video in the mini-series that I'm starting that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode where I'm going to be previewing the Arkansas game. Be on the lookout for that, and be on the lookout for the recap on Monday or Tuesday. Um, so be on the lookout for that, and then also have a great time sitting on your couch, drinking beer, doing whatever, eating food, whatever you do for uh, NFL opening night. Have a great time uh, watching the first NFL games of this 2021 season. And Emmy, I wish you luck, and I wish your Cowboys luck tomorrow night. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna need it. <laughs> At this point tomorrow, the game will be over, so um, good luck to you. I'm sure we'll be talking about that as the game goes on. All right. Yeah, Um, but until then, that's all we have. All right, good luck in y'all's fantasy seasons this year, Um, and peace out. Peace.